Um, definitely very appreciative of our opportunities um, to, to preach and to present God's Word. Don't take it lightly. It's a very important endeavor. Um, very thankful that uh, God allowed uh, my wife and I to be here and, and serve in the church. And, and just very grateful for all the opportunities we have, whether it's to teach or preach um, here or downstairs, wherever it might be, uh, North Brooklyn, um, going out to different places. It's very exciting. Um, and again, it's something that we don't take lightly. I know it's, uh, it's very exciting that there's so many of us, of us young men here at church that uh, God has called into ministry. And um, this evening, we're going to be spending some time in the book of Romans. Um, if, you have your, if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be in Romans chapter 5. We're going to be reading um, at the last half of the chapter. Um, once we finish reading, we'll, we'll pray and we'll ask God to bless the reading and then to be with this evening's uh, message. Uh, but we're going to start in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. Um, th- verse 12 itself is, is possibly a verse that many of you may have memorized. Uh, but we're going to read through the end of the verse or end of the chapter here. Uh, but starting in Romans 5 verse 12, it says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law was sin in the world, but sin is not imputed where, when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners... So by the obedience, the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we pray, Father, you'd be with the, the message this evening, be with my 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 thoughts and, and pray, Father, that as we uh, go through this passage, that you would help us to understand um, the free gift of salvation, but also to understand uh, the truth that's in this passage. Help us to, to walk closer with you as a result of this evening. Pray, Father, you bless these things in Christ's name. Amen. So as I was uh, studying this passage out, it's, uh, you know, you, you see here there's uh, a clear representation of, of life versus death. And, and this passage right here kind of like brings those to the forefront and kind of focuses on, on the idea of life versus death. Um, but also, you know, sin and righteousness. 
And the idea that, you know, as you look at sin, sin bringeth forth death. And, and even as you continue on in the passage, as you go through all of Romans chapter 6, that's even, you know, highlighted even more. Uh, but the reality is here, we see that you know, sin bringeth forth death. And it, it references in, you know, Romans 5, 12 there, as it begins, it's referring back to Adam and the idea that as you go back to Adam and his sin, his sin is what introduced sin to all of mankind, and that is the sin that introduced the death upon all mankind because of sin. Because of Adam's sin, we're all born sinners. After Adam started it, everyone that came after Adam, we're all born in sin. And, and that sin that we're born in bringeth forth death. Now, if you go back to, to Genesis, and we actually are going to look back in Genesis this evening, but I want you to to think back into Genesis as we're introduced to the concept of life and death and how sin and righteousness weigh into that. And as you go back into Genesis, we're introduced actually to life right at the beginning. As God creates the world, and as you look back into Genesis chapter 2 and the creation of man... When you look in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So as God created like God created life, and that's where it started. And right in Genesis chapter 2, as God places Adam into the Garden of Eden to dress it and keep it, we find in verse 16, that the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So, right off the bat, we're introduced to when God gives Adam the first instructions, and as Adam is introduced to the garden and given his responsibilities inside the Garden of Eden... God tells him the consequences of, you know, he says, hey, all of these trees here, like look around, dozens and dozens, maybe hundreds of trees, they're here for your food. Eat from any one of them. All day long, any one of them, you you have free reign of every tree, just stay away from that one. And he's told right off the bat, if you eat of that tree, that tree will result in death. Now, we don't really understand what death is really outside of the absence of life. It's going to end life. But that's what death is. It's the end of life, right? And so we're looking at, back here at Genesis, we're first introduced to the idea of life versus death. Now, pardon me for one second. I want to get a little nerdy on this. But one of the... uh, one of the things I love about this passage, and, and just forgive me for one second, on my, my nerdy self here for a minute, but when we think about life, where does life come from, right? It comes from God. And, and how is the life given from God to man? We just read it, right? Breath. Right? It's breath. Now, how many of you know that you have to breathe to be alive? Is this new to anybody? Normally, when, you, when somebody's dead, what are you checking for? You're checking to see if they're breathing and if they have a pulse, right? Those are pretty much things you check for, right? 
They have a pulse. Are they breathing? They're alive. No pulse, no breath. They're dead. Now, that's very basic, right? But if you carry on a little bit further than that, I mean, you know, and this is why I was saying it's a little bit nerdy, but when you think about breathing, it's not just the act of in and out. Who knows what we need to breathe in for life? Anybody? Anybody? What do we need to breathe in for life? Oxygen. Oxygen. Now, this is where it gets nerdy. How many of you know what part of our body distributes oxygen all throughout our body? Does anybody know? Our blood. Now, who knows how this works? I'll I'll explain how this works for you just so um, you can kind of think about this for a moment. But when you think about life going through the blood, we all have our blood pumping, which is why it's important to have a pulse. So the blood pumps throughout our system. So here's how the basic function works. The blood is pumping throughout all of our body, going back and forth through our hearts. As we breathe in, we breathe in oxygen. The oxygen goes to our lungs, and our heart takes that oxygen and pumps it through the rest of our body. As the blood flows to our body, it drops off the oxygen and picks up carbon dioxide and takes that back to the lungs. When we breathe out, we breathe out the carbon dioxide that our body doesn't need. And when we take a breath in, our lungs take in more oxygen and send that oxygen through the rest of our body. And it does this constant exchange. And it keeps going through. There's a part of our blood that makes it red because of iron. And that is called hemoglobin. Now, here's the interesting thing about hemoglobin. It has a very strong, yet mild attraction to oxygen. This is actually good, because it's a strong enough attraction to attach in the lungs, but the the cells in our body that need oxygen have a stronger attraction for that oxygen than the hemoglobin. So then... The, ox, the hemoglobin will let go of the oxygen and trade it for the carbon dioxide to get rid of it. There is a substance that you've probably heard of, and you probably have a detector for it in your house. Carbon monoxide. Have you, any of you ever heard of carbon monoxide? So, carbon monoxide has a stronger attraction to hemoglobin, iron, than oxygen does. Which is really bad. Because when you breathe in carbon monoxide, it attaches to the hemoglobin in your blood. But it doesn't let go like oxygen does. And it attaches to the same part of the hemoglobin that oxygen does. So as you breathe in carbon monoxide, it blocks your body from absorbing oxygen. When your body can't absorb oxygen, it can't take to the rest of your body. You start getting sick over time 
But the more and more you breathe it, that carbon monoxide poisoning takes over all of the hemoglobin in your body so that you still have hemoglobin, you're still breathing, but your body is not taking in oxygen that it needs for life. So over time, as you start taking in carbon monoxide poisoning, it blocks the part of your blood that can take life to the rest of your body. And slowly but surely, your body starts to die because the different cells throughout your body aren't getting oxygen. It starts affecting your brain and you shut down from carbon monoxide poisoning. Now, I know that's a little bit of a science lesson there, but as we look at the idea that God gives us life through breath, I want you to think about this. When it comes to to the idea of, of sin here that's introduced and sin that bringeth forth death. When I think about sin, I actually relate it to the idea of carbon monoxide. Because when we look at the passage here, what happens is with Adam, when he was going throughout the, all the garden and him and Eve and they're looking at the trees, they had all of these trees that they could choose from, but they wanted that one. All of these trees were produced life, and all these trees represented obedience. But they wanted the one tree that God commanded them not to. And when we're introduced into to sin and we're introduced to death, it's Adam and Eve choosing to substitute something for God's command. They substituted their own will in place of God's. And they decided to put something there that God didn't intend. And it's just like that carbon monoxide. That oxygen, it goes in the same place. And when, they substitute, when we substitute carbon monoxide for oxygen, it causes our body to die. But not right away. It introduces death slowly. And as we look at sin, carbon monoxide is very much... Almost, it's like a really good example of what sin is like in our lives. If you think about Adam and Eve, as sin was introduced, it started a process of dying. And, and what happens is it interferes with the life that God's intended for you because you start allowing sin to be substituted and it takes over. And eventually, as sin takes over your whole life and consumes your whole body, you're dead. You might feel sickness over time, but you, you pass by the symptoms and you allow that sin to slowly overtake. And it's kind of interesting when it, it's that verse right there. I remember studying this in, in even in Hebrew, we mentioned it like that, that idea of like, you shall surely die. It's the idea of like dying, you shall die. It's like you're beginning a process of death. And, and so often, you know, just as Satan came in and got Adam and Eve to doubt God's word, he said, well, you're not going to, like, die right away. It's not like you're going to fall over dead. And so they, they you know, Satan kind of shifted their thinking away from, like, you know, there's a, there's a true consequence to this. And, and so often, you know, it's like, well, Adam and Eve didn't just fall over dead, so, like, must not have been, like, that bad. But we understand that that sin introduced a separation from God so that they needed to have forgiveness to be able to be restored to God. And 
as we go over here to Romans and we're reading this passage on, on the righteousness, we, we see that one, righteousness comes, or, you know, life and righteousness are very connected and death and sin, you know, sin produces death. And in, in Romans here, we're, we're told that when Adam sinned, that introduced sin to every one of us. And we're born in that state of death where we're born sinners. And that sin separates us from the life that we have in God. And salvation comes when we turn away from our sin and we turn back to God. And His righteousness, through grace, restores us and restores life to us. Now, it's really interesting, just to kind of care, I don't want to over simplify or overstress this the idea of carbon monoxide but it's interesting what the treatment is for carbon monoxide if you have it in most cases if there's an extreme if there's an extreme case of carbon monoxide poisoning doctors will place you into a hyperbaric chamber where there is 3 to 4 times the concentration of oxygen that you might be exposed to normally and they bombard your body with oxygen they try to bombard your, your body with oxygen to try to push out some of that carbon monoxide so hopefully your body can start absorbing some oxygen and over time it expels out the carbon monoxide and the sin or the death that's, in your, that's overtaking your blood. And they try to push that out by bombarding you with oxygen and bombarding you um, with, with oxygen that you can get to your cells so that your body won't die. Um, in many cases, if you allow it to continue on too long in that sickness and that death, sometimes it might be too late. If you don't choose to turn back to that life, it can be too late. Now, that's what I was thinking. I don't want to be too extreme on that one, but when you think about Christ's sacrifice in Romans chapter 5 here, as we're introduced in this idea that, you know, whereas by sin, one, one man sin entered into the world. So when Adam sinned, he introduced sin and death to all of mankind. All of the human race is under the judgment of sin and death because of Adam. We're all born sinners and we're all born in that, in that condition. And that sin reigned, but we're told that by the righteousness and the obedience of one, that's, that's talking about Jesus. So when Jesus was obedient and he was righteous, his righteousness and the, the death of Christ as our substitute, His righteousness is imputed unto us. We are given His life. So, when Christ died in our place, He died for our sins. He took our punishments. And when we trust in Christ and we accept His life, we are given a brand new lease on life. And that forgiveness allows us to turn back to God and live a life of righteousness That is pleasing to God. But again, it's not our righteousness that pleases God. It's Christ's righteousness. As we live through Christ in salvation, we are able to please God. And our righteousness is not our righteousness, but Christ's. Now, that righteousness is a free gift that we accept from Christ. Like it says there, it's finished. Christ finished the punishment of sin and is resurrected and his new life is ours when we trust in him in faith. And that faith is imputed to us by grace. 
And in verse 21 it says, That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So as you think about the, the history, and it goes through the, the idea that you know, sin was introduced by Adam, and when Moses came along and introduced the law, the law was meant to highlight just how bad we were. So we were sinners from Adam to Moses, and when Moses came along... The law was introduced and showed us just how bad we really were because of sin. And then when Christ came and paid for the sin on, on the cross, he gave us new life. And that forgiveness is eternal. And that's a gift from Christ. And we're able to turn away from the judgment that was in Adam. And the grace of God became so much more than what sin could do to us. And as we turn to Christ, we have forgiveness and we have new life. And as we look back in Genesis and here in Romans, what, we're, what we see here with the life and death and sin is that what sin is, is the times when we allow our will to substitute God's will. And we start turning toward our own direction and we leave God's plan and we do our own thing. And when it comes to salvation, it's a one-time thing when we turn away from death to life. And then, you've heard this before, but as we live for God, as we live for Christ, it's not us getting saved over and over again. It's remembering the grace that was imparted to us at salvation. And what happens as believers if we start focusing and getting away from God, it's because we start following our own path again. We start doing our own thing and we start, we start, stop, or start ignoring God's word. and we, we stop paying attention to God's word through our reading of, of the Bible on a daily basis. And we start going our own direction and we start allowing what we want to be substituted for what God wants in our lives. And we start getting away from that um, and we start allowing something that might be not too bad to substitute what God's will is for our life. And we start turning away from the righteousness of God and we start doing our own thing and we start disobeying God in our everyday lives and we start allowing sin to start taking control once again. And it's, it's I, again, I think about the carbon monoxide and the poisoning. A few years back, my sister and a couple of my nephews, they were sick and they... They were constantly getting sick and actually ended up being carbon monoxide poisoning, but it was a very subtle thing. And they were going to the doctor over and over again for, for different illnesses and things that were related to it, but the doctors couldn't figure it out. But then they realized that one of their, their radiators units in the house where they were, the heater units, was kicking out carbon monoxide and it was causing my sister and my nephews to be sick, but it was just like a subtle thing. It was something where it was there... And it was having some minor symptoms and it was kind of being irritation. Maybe it looked like allergies and some other things that were going on. And they were constantly having this sickness, but they couldn't figure out what was going on. And it wasn't extreme enough to where it made it look like it was carbon monoxide. Because in some cases, you know, if it's really extreme, you know, you have like this, this lethargic, tired, down feeling. But it wasn't bad enough to seem like that. And... I think many times we're kind of like that with sin in our lives. So you think about 
as we allow sin to enter our lives, if we turn back toward maybe bad habits or sin that we had in the past, it's kind of just like that. It kind of zaps our energy and it zaps our strength and our zeal for God. And we kind of get a little lazy, a little lethargic. We kind of feel tired. We're not as excited about the things of God because we've allowed something to kind of just overtake that. Maybe it's your work or your attitude. Maybe it's the, the entertainment that we're consumed with all the time. Maybe it's the things that, you know, well, I, I really need to read my Bible, but is there really a but? Like, oh, well, I don't have time today. I'll sleep in, I'll do it later. Later never comes. Man, I need to I need to pray about this situation, but I don't really have time. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna make the decision and I'll trust that God will be be involved there. We 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 take those moments we when we need to pause and reflect. We have those Bible reading schedules, we're we're studying those things and we're reading those and then just kinda get past it. You don't wanna well, I don't want to get caught up. It's like, well, pick out today's date and just start reading again. But we, we don't spend time in God's Word. And then it's kind of interesting that as we're too busy for the things of God, something has taken its place. Something has taken that time away. We're allowing something to be substituted in there. You know, or we're, we're delaying it for some other reason. I think it's just kind of like, you know, when we have our, our diets... And our food, right? We, we know what we need to eat, but we're going to start cheating on this and eating this because, well, we don't have time to eat the right things that we need, that we should be. Um, and so we, we allow those things to take over and we stop doing the things that we need to. How about with being in church? Like, there, you guys are all here tonight, but so often, you know, some things can come up where, oh, well, you know, I need to work. I need to support my family. I'm going to have to skip church service one time. It's not going to be that bad. Well, you know, soccer season only runs from this time to this time. I only play softball during the summer, so it's okay to miss Sunday nights, you know, from May to August. Like, you know, that's okay, right? And so often we allow things that may not necessarily be bad in themselves, but we allow them to substitute what we know should be done for God in the moment. And then as those things start substituting what's supposed to be there, we'll eventually get to where we are doing the things that we know are completely wrong because we allowed something that's okay to take its place. How many people are in horrible relationships or horrible situations with people that they never should have even had a relationship with to begin with. How many Christians are married and out of church with an unbeliever when they shouldn't have even been dating to begin with? And it started with that small, it's not that bad. Like, we're not doing anything bad, but you're in a relationship with an unbeliever. That itself is wrong. And you allow that thing to start substituting. And before you know it, that poisoning just kind of took over your life. And in reality, what, what happens is we allow something to
to substitute what should never be substituted. Now, how many of you... Okay, I'm going to kind of introduce like another thing here. Just humorously think about this. As we're thinking about substitutes, as you go around the country, there's a, a very... Anywhere you go in the country, there's different words for it. You know, I'm, I'm northern, so I, I say soda. If you go down south, there's pop. Different areas of the country, people say Coke when they mean any kind of soda, right? But in a lot of cases, when people say Coke, they mean Coke. Pastor, will Pepsi be okay? No? It's the same thing. If you really want a soda, I'm like, you should be fine with Pepsi. Now, if you actually have a legitimate standard, only the real thing will do, right? Now, I'm pretty fine. I'm okay with Pepsi. I kind of grew up on Pepsi myself. But, anything about Coke, right? Coke is kind of like the classic. That's why when you go anywhere, like, Coke, soda, and pop are pretty much an interchangeable term, right? I've never gone anywhere where Pepsi is referred to in reference to just any general soda, right? Like, just, right? Nobody says Pepsi to refer to any soda. But you'll say Coke if you want any kind of, like, carbonated beverage, right? Other than Pepsi. Now, there's no... This isn't a substitute, is it? Now, if in reality you want a Coke, you want a Coke. Nothing else will do, right? And, sorry if you work for Pepsi or something, I don't mean to let Pepsi substitute and be sin here, but for, this, for the sake of this illustration, Pepsi is sin. When you want Coke, Coke is the only real thing that will satisfy. It is the only thing that is supposed to be used to satisfy your thirst and your desire for a soda. And when that waitress or that charlatan comes along, and tries to say, but Pepsi is just as good. It will satisfy your thirst just as well as Coke will. You need to say, no, I will accept no substitutes. And don't mean to make light of this, but when you think about sin, think about it in kind of the context of this. It's allowing something to be substituted that's not intended to be a substitute for it. When when we think about sin and the fact that it brings forth death, it's whenever you take God's commandment and God's direct revelation and understanding of something and say, you know what? I know God says this, but... I know God says this, but... I don't care how simple the decision might be that you're making. If your thought process starts off with the phrase... I know God says this, but you are in trouble. I don't care what situation you're looking at. Any decision, any life priority that you make. Now, not elevating 
necessarily man's thought, but this could even be carried over to, you know, I know pastor said this in the sermon the other day, but, or I know I was reading this in the Bible the other day, but, and again, I'm, we're not elevating man's thought, but when you're introduced to the idea that something that was brought forth that might be God's commandment or God's direction for my life, but you might want to give yourself pause because that is you allowing a small exposure to sin. And you allow that one, that one minor thing to come in and just like carbon monoxide poisoning, you may not even notice it right away. You can't smell it. You can't feel it. You can't taste it. It's just kind of there, slowly building up. But when you allow that small trickle to start coming in, and it starts building up over time, before you know it, you're sick, you're, you're skipping church every other day, you're only coming one service a week, well, once a month is okay. Christmas and Easter, I'm there for the big ones. It's the small things that build up over time that we don't even notice. And we slowly start backsliding back into that state of decay and death that we were saved from. And over time, it, it kills it kills us. It could kill our testimony. It could kill our opportunity and our relationships. And that, that death just takes over every aspect of our life. And sometimes that, that sickness can just kind of be overlooked a little bit at a time. So this evening, if you think back, if you just kind of think of, of your day-to-day life, and you just think about what's going on in your life right now, and think about sin. Are there moments, are there times, maybe even the last days, weeks, or months, where you've been there in that moment where you, you said, or there's been the times when you said, well, I know the Bible says this, but... It may not have been today, but over the last few months, has there been a moment like that where you've made a decision knowing that it's not really a part of God's best plan for your life? Whatever the decision might be, what you need to do is we need to take the time this evening to say, you know what, that decision I made months, days, weeks ago to do something that I know wasn't quite God's will, we need to repent and turn away from that. We need, to, we need to stop it now. We don't need to wait to see, well, you know what, I, I don't think it was really that bad of a decision. It's not really going to, it hasn't really affected me for the last few months, but it might be introducing a slow process of death that you've not even felt. Because you haven't smelt it quite yet. You're not feeling it. But it's going to be there. So this evening, take a moment to pause on those days or those, those choices that have been made and ask yourself, have I allowed something to be substituted for God's expressed will in my life? And it could be any of those moments when you thought, you know what? Oh, I know I'm not, you know, this isn't the best thing to be watching but it's not really that bad. Clicking through the, the channels, 
clicking through, you know, Netflix stuff. Well, it's not really that bad. We don't want to be living a life where we're just thinking, it's not really that bad. That's not, that's not where God wants us to be. That's not where we should want to be. We shouldn't be living a life where we're right on the edge of like, really bad is over here. I'm okay. The idea is not that we get as close to what's really bad as possible. We want to stay as far away from that as possible. It's just, one, it's kind of like one, you're not going to go and sit in the car and stick a hose in the back tailpipe and suck in all the carbon monoxide you can, right? Why would you do it a little bit at a time? And why accept any substitute? If you have the real thing right there, why are you letting the substitute take over? So this evening... We're going to close. We'll close in a word of prayer. We'll have a time just to reflect here. But as we think through our lives, just think through the decisions you've made, especially recently. What are some of the decisions that you've made recently that have kind of taken you away from exactly what you know God wants for your life? What small decisions have you made that may have been maybe leading towards something that you don't intend it to be? And think back on those decisions and say, you know what? I'm not going to let it go any further. I'm going to stop and I'm going to turn back toward the truth. I'm going to turn back toward what God wants me to do. I'm going to turn back toward what I know is right. I'm not going to allow that minor shift or that minor turn to continue any further. I'm going to turn back to where I need to go. Go back on that straight path. Turn back toward, toward the life. Not going to let that decision continue on any further. We're going to stop it right there. And say, you know what? I want to do what I know is right. We need to ask for forgiveness, move beyond that, and continue walking in the path that God has for us. So we close the